Father in heaven, we thank you. We bless you and we praise you. We worship you and magnify you. Thank you, Lord. You are worthy to be praised and adored. And we love you, Lord. We just send a blessing to our speaker, Apostle Diane Chappelle. And we thank you, Lord, for blessing her to be a will, for being a willing servant in your kingdom. And we honor her today, Father. We send her our love and yours. And so we thank you, Lord, for blessing this time that we have together. Speak through your servant, Father. Speak the words that you want your people to hear. We love you and honor you in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. I thought I'd talk a little bit about how God will show us his glory through our loved ones. Amen. Show me your glory through my children, through my brothers and sisters, my parents, my kinfolk, the in-laws and the outlaws. Yeah, you will see his glory through all of them. Amen. So we're just thankful that God includes everybody that we love. Amen. Because he includes everybody he loves. He loves everybody. Now, there's nobody, you know, the, God hates concepts. He He hates spiritual forces. So he hates sin. He hates the devil and his cohorts and what they do. And, and God has already judged that element of the earth. But now he wants to bless. He wants to redeem. So God's overriding principle in the earth is salvation, redemption, love, encouragement, all of that. That's why the devil works so hard to discourage people. That's why he works so hard to keep an evil report out there all the time. He works so hard to keep people consumed with how do we overcome this problem? How do we get, you know, raising money for this disease and running for that disease? I mean, the devil gets a kick out of you don't think he loves it when he sees all this money poured into something he does for people. He has a perverted sense of glory. He has a perverted sense of honor. And so we want to allow God to be everything he wants to be to us and just expand your faith and and, uh, release judgment. Sometimes we we look at people's behavior and we think, oh, are they ever going to change? Are they ever going to get saved? Uh, Is there any hope for the outlaw element? (laughs) You You know the ones I'm talking about. You know, the ones that, you know, when you call all the relatives and invite them over for Thanksgiving dinner, those are the numbers you hesitate on. <laughs> them people. Try to act like you ain't got no outlaws. Everybody got outlaws in their family. Amen. God put them there for a purpose. Amen. To save them. So, but he's going to do all of that. So I thought I'd, you know, just share a few things about glory. I, you know, this is a very uncomfortable position for me because when I, I preach, I do the healing school. I don't dip into y'all glory teachings. Y'all. As everybody say, she took my teaching, she took my word, you know, we, when we have a theme, but I didn't want to dip in too far, so I'll just superficially go in here a little bit. But I did want to show you that there is a legitimate hunger in the heart of every individual for the glory of God. We know that we're weak, have no power, we're helpless and hopeless until we find him. So the fact that you acknowledge your, your, you know, deficits, your lack, your desire for more is an indication of hunger for God's glory because only his glory can satisfy that deep need that we have. See, a spiritual need is very hard to put your finger on. You can feel 
out of sorts. You can feel like, un, you know, with a little unrest in you, something's bugging you, but you can't put your finger on what it is. It's like, you know, you feel your stomach will rumble and you get up and look in the refrigerator and shut the door because you can't find what it is. What is that? What am I? <clears throat> you can't identify what you're hungry for. And see, the glory of God is like that. I mean, we were made for his glory. We were that was removed from us. So we still have something imprinted in us that hungers for it. It's like when something is lacking in your life that, you know, belongs to you. And that's what we, that's how we, we crave God's presence, His glory and His hunger. So in Exodus 33, if you'll turn there, I think probably in verse 12, I'm reading for the, from the NIV, cause that's what I had in my bag. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> this was gonna be a follow along day. <laughs> but anyway, it says, Moses said to the Lord, you have been telling me, lead these people. But you have not let me know who you will send with me. Now, if God calls you and you think you got it all together, you're in on bad, dangerous territory. Huh? You know, all the Facebook apostles and prophets and ministers and, you know, if Facebook is your only congregation, you're in big trouble. You know, when God calls you, somebody is going to show up hungry and want to follow you. I mean, a live person for real, not a like or a love or a face on there. You understand? It'd be real live people want to come to you and hear your words. I can remember when I first started the ministry, I kept doubting. I said, well, God, I, I'm, I'm, I don't think I ought to be doing this. I, you know, maybe I'll just do it for a little bit and see how it goes. And, and then I would think I'll just stop. And then two faces always popped up. In my mind, it was my sister Shirley and Nola Dillard who followed us around the church <laughs> when we first got started. But those two little faces, and he said, what are you going to do about them? You understand what I'm saying? And so when you understand the call of God, that anointing draws people. Amen. It draws people. And so we have to understand that God attaches you uh, to people, but he, he also sends you with power. So Moses didn't feel like he was able to do the job. And, and that's very common with people when they are first called. And so God said, he says, but you have not let me know who you will send with me. You have said, I know you, I know you by name and you have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, then teach me your ways. That ought to be the first Hunger that comes forth in somebody who's called of God. I need teaching. I need to know what I'm getting. I have never crossed this way before. Amen. And that's just honest. Now, the person who thinks they got it all together say, well, let me just get me a building. Let me get me a choir and let me get me some keys. And they want keys in the building. Huh? <laughs> Whether the people are there or not. It says, remember that this nation is your people. The Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. In other words, Moses, settle down now. You know this. And that's typical people when they're called. They're all nervous, hyped up. What I'm going to do, how I'm going to do this. I mean, that's that that is an open door for God to reveal himself to us. When we have that inquisitiveness that blank stare that says, I don't know what I'm doing please help me that when it when that vacuum that's really a void inside of us when that void is exposed and the glory comes in 
God anoints you with that first measure of anointing. You know what I'm saying? That that first indication that he's with you. And and trust me, you're going to want more and more and more because every time you get to something, there will be something you understand that you lack. Something do you understand that you need more of? God is this, this meeting was nice, but I noticed that we had some empty seats, something like that. Or I noticed that there are some people that didn't quite get what they needed from you. Some people that came in looking like they did, left looking like they did when they came in. And I want that to change. You got me? You're, you're on to perfection in God when you're called. Legitimate call, you're looking for perfection in God. You don't just want to get up and do something so your friends will know you got something, you know? This, this, this is not a club you just, it'll cost you too much to get the real thing for you. <laughs> Honey, by the time you get some power for real, you'll be a little nub sitting in a corner and you could care left friends gone a long time ago, associates that left, everything's gone. You know what I'm saying? It's just you left crying for Jesus, more of the Lord. Praise God. So he says, my presence will go with you and I'll give you peace of mind or rest. You know, don't sweat it. And Moses said to him, if your present doesn't go with us, don't send me. In other words, God, don't send me just me. <laughs> I can't talk that long. I ain't that smart. I can't manufacture nothing. Amen. So he says, if your presence does not go with me, he says, how will anyone know that you're pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? So what is it that marks us as belonging to deity? It's his presence. It's his presence. The first thing God does is give you peace with him. So that deposit of peace is God's handshake that it's all good. It's all forgiven. Everything's all new. But in order to um, punctuate that, he gives you his spirit. So everybody, when you're everybody in every, from Baptist on up will tell you, I got the Holy Ghost because they're born again. And they know they are of a different spirit now. They know there's, looked at my hands, my hands was new, looked at my feet and there's two, changed my heart, changed my, yeah. You understand what I'm saying? Hey, that's what we get. And so we are convinced that's everybody who's born again knows it. You know you're saved. If there's any doubt, you can get the doubt removed by getting more of the word in you to understand. But you must have that presence with you in order that you that's that's his seal of approval. That's his stamp. That's a seal unto the day of redemption. Everybody who has a sincere conversion gets that. And so Moses got the approval of God and God told him, I'm pleased with you. And so the Lord told Moses, verse 17, okay, I'm going to do the very thing you've asked because I'm pleased with you and I know you by name. And Moses said, now that know you by name is a covenant term. When you are covenant partners, you exchange names. You call each other by names. Until then, they're not committed in that relationship with you. So he has a man now that he has a covenant with. Then Moses said, now show me your glory. And the Lord said, I will cause my goodness. That's what we're looking for. 
in all the things that you do, you are looking for God's goodness to manifest itself in your presence. You're not looking for the devil to show up and do anything, you know, all this nonsense people talk. Well, you know, I've been having a hard time. I know some good is coming. Uh, The devil ain't God's messenger for good in your life. You got to know by the witness of the spirit. Huh? He don't use him to... Oh, the devil just been messing with me. My gas is off. My lights is off. We'll pay your bill. The goodness was there in your pocket and you didn't pay your bill. That's the problem. But that superstition, see, we've got to get beyond superstition in our living, you know. I've heard preachers on television say it. Oh, the devil, you know, we, the car broke down and this broke down and that broke down. And I said to myself, it's going to be a good meeting this time. Well, you ought to have a good meeting all the time. You're anointed. Now, for those of you who are confused, let me just renounce that right now. Satan, I take authority over the superstition in the name of Jesus. You are not God's messenger to announce good things coming in our lives. That's the Holy Ghost job. That's the job of your word. So we thank you, Lord, for clearing this up for us today in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Amen. You know, people say, well, I do a lot for God. That's why he attacked me. He attacks babies in the womb before they get here. Do you know how many abortions happen every year? They ain't doing nothing for God. They ain't even, they just trying to get here and he kills them. So this has nothing to do with anything, folks. Just, you know, leave that right here. You know, just leave it right here. We'll move on. So Moses wants to see his glory. And the Lord says, I will cause my goodness to pass in front of you and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. And I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, compassion on whom I'll have compassion. He said, but you can't see my face for no one can see me and live. So that was in the old covenant. Now we live in the face of God. Amen. In John twelve twenty eight, you'll see how Jesus dealt with the glory of God. No, he stripped himself of everything that was kingly and regal in his life, humbled himself and became a man. And uh, he was dependent on the father for everything. We, We have to keep that in mind. He had to obey the father in everything that he did. So Jesus now in, uh, John 12, we'll start in verse 20. Now, there were some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the festival. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, with a request. Sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. Philip went to tell Andrew. Andrew and Philip in turn told Jesus. Jesus replied, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Now, we think of it in real drastic terms. You think, oh, Lord, i got to die to be glorified. No, you die to you, and the glory comes upon you. Every time you die to self, every time you humble yourself to God, every time you let go of whatever it is you think is so very important, the glory of God appears and, and is your companion will descend upon you and will abide with you. Amen? So the glory really is the weighty heaviness of God, that part of God that is beyond our control. 
Isn't that wonderful that we sometimes you can say you're ministering to people uh, in salvation and you got it down pat. You know, we get that little confidence on us and we go boldly charging up somewhere and just say, yeah, 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 yes, find me a sinner. I'm going to lead them to the Lord, you know. And so one one of these times, God is one fine day. God's going to show up and push you aside. And start the gifts of the spirit to operate and minister to people's real needs, you know, underneath everything. So because God wants to show people really who he is, you know, he doesn't he doesn't want you to get a prayer from somebody so they can they can get get you off their back. And then you they never see a church or see God again. They just go away laughing, got rid of them Christians. You know what I'm saying? He wants you to show up in such a way. That is undeniable that that's his glory. It's the undeniable presence of God, the undeniable word of God. That's why uh, the book of Acts says his sons and his daughters will prophesy. Uh, You don't need to we don't need to have a, you know, turn to your neighbor and give him a word. No, you go out there and give a word to somebody you really scared of, like on eight mile with them people under that bridge. Go over there and prophesy. Huh? That's where it's needed. You got me? People in the, people in the, uh, in the barn already getting fed. We don't need to have no seances around here. Amen. You know what I'm talking about. The little plaything things. You know, the, the, the gifts of the spirit are to profit with all. They're the profit everybody on the outside of the church and the inside of the church. Amen. If, if you need something, you prophesy to yourself. You don't need to turn to your neighbor and you understand what I'm saying? You know, if you've got a pain in your body, you prophesy to yourself. You say, I declare myself healed in the name of Jesus. Amen. And so that's what the, the word of the Lord is for. It's, it is for the house of God. It keeps us in, in the flow. It keeps us uh, directed the right way. I love prophecy when it's congregational and, and that kind of stuff. But seriously, you don't learn to prophesy by having these little groups you know, turn to your neighbor things, you know, and they call it activation. And, you know, I don't know where you been yesterday, last night or five minutes. But, you know, these are total strangers. You know, you don't know if they're the body of Christ or the body of Baal. You know what I'm saying? So let's, I mean, that's my personal thing on it. Hopefully people who do it sincerely, some good comes of it. But I'm telling you, the gifts of the spirit are to profit Everyone. And I'm telling you, when there's a demand made on you go to somebody that living under a bridge and you weren't run out of words, that's when the glory shows up. That's when that word of knowledge will show up and you'll say to somebody, you know, God is telling me to tell you that he loves you in in the life that you left. He can return you to it. You understand what I'm saying? Which if that's what God puts on your heart to share. And that's what we need to do. That's why we have so little glory in the church. Because we're not really willing and hungry to take it outside of the church where we scared of them people. We scared of the gays. We scared of the homeless. We scared of the stinky people. We scared of all kinds of people. But we need that glory. That's what it is. It's to convince the world that God's real and that he loves them. 
you know, they can't stay out in, in, in homeless and rejected forever. God has a home for those people. The Bible says he puts the solitary in families. So there's a family somewhere waiting for those people out there. But God wants the church to be bold enough and confident enough in him to go out and impart that to somebody. And I'm telling you, the Bible says the gifts of the spirit are there to profit with all. And, and, and when you want everybody to profit in God, then they'll show up more and more on you. They'll show up more and more. People say that all the time. Well, why is it that when we go uh, out of the country, you know, God does miracles and so forth? Because there's a demand for it out there. You know, everybody here is looking for free health care. You know, not me, but a lot of people are. You know, that's what they're campaigning on these days. And there's nothing's free. Somebody's got to pay for it. But God has what everybody needs in spite of. You know what I'm saying? In spite of. So praise God. God is good. So Jesus is here. And he says, uh, um, Jesus replied, verse 23, the hour has come for the son of man to be glorified. Truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies. Oh, but I'm waiting on the wealth transfer. You can keep waiting, but you're going to have to die in the process. Huh? Before anything big hits you. I don't want to go back and talk about that. I'm just going to keep moving. He says it remains only a single seed, but if it dies, it produces many. That's us. If we die to who we are, what we think we want, what, you know, all this wonderful stuff we, we've been painted pictures of and, you know, and I have nothing against personal prophecy. I love it. Uh, but I think sometimes people get the superficial carnal aspect of it. It like falls on your flesh more than it falls in your heart and you meditate on it and, and all of that. So you, you have to be careful with that, that you let that thing get embedded on the inside of you. And the only way it can is some stuff's got to move out. Amen. All of this, you know, trappings and, you know, all the ancillary people we think we need to accomplish our vision and all that kind of stuff. Um, that stuff has to die. You got to die to all of your add-ons, your uh, qualifications, your think you got to have this in order for God to do that for you. All that's got to die. See, and it's got to be just you alone with God begging him like Moses. Please, if you don't give me some God, I'm not going up like this. You got to feel totally stripped and naked before the Lord. So that he can start to impart to you and fill you with what it is that you need. He cannot put his glory on top of something else that you like. Amen. He's not going to do it. Amen. That's why we always wonder, well, when is something going to happen? Why am I going through this so long? And why is he getting you stripped down? But I repented of everything. I ain't doing nothing wrong. You got some more stripping to do if you got that in you still. Just that you're willing to vouch for yourself is pride. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> Strip down. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> that thing nobody wants to do. You know what I'm saying? Uh, like, you know, when you, uh, well, I'm not going to go there. That's, <laughs> that's for adults only. Let me take a sip of water. But anyway, uh, <laughs> Miss Nola caught it. Where's Poppy? <laughs> Amen. Now everybody's looking. Now everybody woke. Now what? Y'all woke up all of us. Look at Bishop Russell sitting up there like, what, 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 what? 
Amen. Amen. But God wants us stripped down to just our bare, bare everything. You can't keep anything back from him. You can't, you know, uh, well, so-and-so told me they were going to have me work in their ministry. That may not be what God wants you. He wants you work for nobody but him. Because if they hire you, they can fire you. I'm hired by nobody. Jesus, you know, I mean, that's my, that's my boss. People would ask me when we first started, who's your covering? I said, my husband, I'm married to my husband. And they said, boy, in your ministry. I said, Jesus. No, no, you got to have a, a apostle or a this or a that. I said, no, my mother told me that if, if somebody, if I got under somebody, they might rape me. So they left me alone. I never got that question ever again. I said, nice girls don't get under nobody. Saints better wake up. A lot of y'all connected to people paying them a tenth of what you don't have yet. You done promised up to the gills. They don't want, they ain't gonna support you in nothing. They just want your money and want you dependent on them because they think you insecure enough to do it. You get secure in God and get His glory. You won't need nobody. Got me? Now y'all wishing Apostle Chappelle had showed up. (laughs) I feel ya. We'll move on. Amen. So Jesus said in verse 27, this is the way we are when when we're called to do something very difficult. He says, verse 27, now my soul is troubled. Then what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. No, it was for this very reason that I came here. Your difficulty you want to be saved out of. That's the very reason you were called to the kingdom. To overcome the difficulty that God would have a place to deposit something. That you would live every day off the knowledge that he loves you and that's all you need. You don't need people. You don't need uh, uh, big crowds. You don't need a lot of money. You just need to know his love that you cannot be separated from it. Nothing can separate you from his love. Some of us have been through some horrendous things just in, in obeying God. You know, you start obeying God and think you're on the right track and all hell breaks loose. So he called you to endure that. So that you can know his glory. He's shaving away everything. And see, we'll be wanting good things. I mean, wanting a marriage, wanting a family, wanting nice things in your home. All Those are all good things. But God is very particular about stuff competing in your heart with love for him. And he'll back you right up off of that if it gets to be too much. So. Praise God. He's a good God. He's a jealous God. He loves us with a jealous, crazy love. Amen. So he says here, the crowd was there and heard it as, oh, then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified my name and I will glorify it again. So Jesus even had increments of glory, abilities in the spirit. And he continued to walk with the father and the father gave him more 
up until the time for his final glorification where they will be a thing that God will require of us that if we will allow him to take us through it, there's more glory on the other side of it. There's more presence. There's more power. There's more of everything on the other side of it. So, so Jesus is being glorified. The father is glorifying the son. Amen. Glory is a sign of God's covenant with us. It always has been. It always will be. It is that weightiness, that thing that when you first think about God, you back away from. But then you hunger for it so much, you'll have to submit to everything that he tells you to go through to get it. You know what I'm saying? And so it's, it's like sometimes you'll you'll think you need to talk to God about something, but you keep putting it off. You know, that's the glory. You That's, that's your resist your flesh resists it because it's foreign to your flesh but then after a while you go for such a long period of time you get that desperation you say god i gotta know you know i gotta ask you this i gotta know about this you gotta give me an answer and so you finally cave in see it just took all of that to get your flesh out of the way enough for you to come honest with God and say, God, this is missing from my life. What do, what do I do? Is this ever going to come back? If it doesn't come back, God, I still will serve you. You understand what you've got to get to that one-on-one place like Moses admitting all his deficiencies, all of his lack, all of his inability, you know, all of these things and allow God to have full control so that it comes back the way God wants it to. You're more content when, when you let God have his way and so is he. Amen. So God wants us to, to receive his glory and then he will glorify his name among us. Amen. He will let people know that you serve him. He'll let people know that you're important to him. He glorifies his name by making our names prominent. And making our names great. And making our names known. And so he wants to elevate Jesus to that that one place uh, above every place, above every name. That every knee will bow and every tongue will confess him. And so Jesus, even though it's going to be difficult, this last little thing that he has to do. He knows it's going to be a challenge for him, but he knows he must go through it. See, the hunger to please the Father gets that great in us that we don't care what it is that we have to go through. We submit to it because we know it's a necessary thing. It's good not to call the shots in your life. And when you hunger for the glory of God, you admit that you are incapable of calling the shots in your life. Amen. So God wants us to know that his glory is available to those that he approves of. And so Jesus going to the cross was God's final approval of him so that he could receive his glory. It's good to be hungry for the glory of God, but it's not good to try and receive it without God's proper approval and going through the paces of God and being prepared in the correct way. So I thought I'd show you a little bit in Luke chapter 15 about somebody who received the father's glory ahead of time and why God demands that we obey him in this. Why does he demand, you know, for instance, that, you know, I've been praying for a loved one to be saved or praying for a a relationship to be brought back together again for so many years. 
And, and you get weary sometimes in, in your mind. You know, you might get faint, but not in your heart. But in your mind, you might get faint and think, well, is this ever going to happen? And so God will, is going to show us why some things are delayed for a specific season, even though it might seem that, you know, sometimes you think, well, look, God, look at all the people out there preaching and making money and, you know, they keep falling down and, and getting back up and they back famous again. They'd have messed up everywhere they went. Now that you know the people I'm talking about, we've seen them all. And you'll sit back and you look at that. God, if you just let me do a third of what they do, I'll be faithful. I've said it. You know, I, God, you know, these people are messing up your reputation down here. You know, I'll be a good girl. Just let me have, you know. And so you don't want to covet somebody's position, name, or reputation. You want to covet God. So that's why he has us weighed is, you know, he wants to put the right thing on you. Because some people have more PR than they have power. They get around the right people. They get around the right, they say the right things in the right groups. They go and get ordained by this person and under that bishop and this smishup and all of these things and get a little, them little tall hats they put on. I'm still waiting for Bishop Russell to wear his around here. You must have a tall mitre to be a bishop. But you know what I'm saying? I mean, you just look at these people and you say, you know, they got, they got wealth, they got million dollar mansions, they got all this stuff, and they just cut up all the time. And so you think to yourself, oh God, <laughs> I chop liver, why am I chop liver all the time? But, but God likes you as chopped liver. You're gonna be chopped a little bit more, so the glory will, because they have great swelling words. This is one thing I found about most of these people. They talk a good game. But the signs never accompany. What what good is it for you to preach to to 10,000 people if they come in sick and walk out sick? They come out with with no power and walk out with no power. And they've been conditioned to expect that out of the things of God. And God's trying to condition them to expect him to show up with what he needs for them. Sometimes there are people following people around and they are called to legitimate ministry and they miss their calling trying to follow somebody they think is anointed. You understand what I'm saying? So you have to understand that this place in God that he calls us to is sometimes a place of waiting. It's a place of you got to encourage yourself. It's a place of, you know, nobody's going to drop a word on you and get off Facebook because God ain't sending you a word through there. You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, come on now. And, you know, this is for somebody that ain't for somebody. That's for whoever. But you ain't somebody. God knows your name. If he want, has a word for you, he call you by name. Huh? You don't, in other words, why are you picking up scraps of, this is for somebody. Ooh, let me see if there's something in there for me. No. God knows you by name. You need something from God, you go to the Father and ask him. He tells you specifically for you. Get no crumbs off the table. You ain't no Syrophoenician or no no sinner. They, they eat the crumbs. The children have bread on the Father's table every day. Just go to the Father's table and get what belongs to you. 
So here in Luke chapter 15, amen. This is somebody who got his glory, the father's glory ahead of time. Amen. Jesus continued. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all that he had, set off for a distant journey, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. And I contend that, that at least half of the ministry gifts of God are living like that. Hmm? Riotous living. I love Jesus and I don't live like that. Not that I'm the standard, but I think if you follow God and you put God first, then God puts in your hand according to your faith. I'm telling you, a lot of these people are more PR than their power. They know how to get on the right mailing list. They know how to gather enough money to get on television so they can promote themselves and they can get more people giving. And they, that's why we, the people who are really out serving people and touching people struggle so much. Cause the money of God's house is going in the hands of people who live riotously. Huh? Many of them are middle-aged and beyond. Now they got the million-dollar home. You don't need that. Pat Robertson's a living witness. As long as that man is alive, there is a witness to all the faith people who tell you that, you know, faith means you got a lot of material things. He goes all over the world, does whatever God tells him to do. He has no private jet. I've seen his home. You ever go down and visit CBN? They say, that's where, where Brother Pat lives. Little three bedroom, two bathroom house. Him and Dee Dee still hold up there. The kids is gone. The grandkids come around sometimes. But yet his ministry is a hundreds of millions of dollar ministry. All goes out to poor. They, they even, they have the, the employees there have to eat with the homeless on Thanksgiving and Christmas. It's mandatory. We have a sit-down dinner with our, our fellow brothers and sisters in the Lord. Get the stinky people in. Get the, I mean, he's one of those down-the-line obedience to God people. He found a scripture to obey. He obeys it, and everybody under him obeys it too. And so there are people who are really living for God, but I'm telling you, most of them live riotously. Amen. You have to be careful when you want the anointing and the power of God. You got to be careful about your riotous living. He says, not long after that, the younger son got together all that he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him into his field to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with some of the the stuff the pigs were eating, but they wouldn't let him even have that. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back. And the King James says, I will arise and go. In other words, something in him raised him up. That's the glory deposit 
that his parents put in there. See, I don't care how far back your kids want to go and stuff they don't know anything about. Most Christian kids who are, you know, if you've been raised in the church, you come to church, all they don't know nothing about all these street people out here and all these crazy people and all these rough, riotous living people. That's why his what he had left him so quickly. Because he was in an element that was unfamiliar to him. You know, when your kids are doing something they ain't supposed to do, they're going to stay broke. Amen. They're going to stay in need. They're going to stay. If it doesn't come upon them quickly, they'll struggle real hard just to stay afoot. And so, you know, just just let God work out what he wants to work out in their lives with all of your loved ones. Amen. So this young man asked for the father's glory. While he was in the house with him. That the his inheritance or wealth represents the glory of God for us. And instead of him waiting for the time the father released it to him. Like Jesus said, glorify your name. Lord, you glorify yourself. You glory. You, in other words, Jesus is saying, father, you have your way with me. Have your way in my life. You glorify yourself through me. If I'm found like Moses, if I am found worthy of you using me, then you take over. You glorify you. Do what you want to do. I'm not calling any shots. This young man couldn't wait for that time. He decided he would try and steal the glory ahead of season. And look at what it cost him. It cost him everything. Stripped him out. That's why God will only give you the glory that you can handle or that he that will rest comfortably on you. Like he told Moses, he says, I'll do what you ask me and give you rest. You want the glory of God to rest comfortably on you. You don't want to be uh, anxious for anything ahead of time for anything. Wanting, wanting, wanting and craving, craving, craving. Not something from God you don't. You want it to rest comfortably on your life or it could wreck your life. The glory of God will wreck enough things that you want to see held together. Sometimes a little bit of anointing you had can, can, can drive everybody you love away from you. Oh, cry babies. Oh no, God, just please don't do that. Please just gotta have no. Oh, you don't get to keep nothing. Huh? See, this is what slows the move of God down. <laughs> All the laborers that are burdened down with stuff that they're afraid to let go of, think they can't do without. Wonder what would happen if this ever happened. Wonder what would, huh? All of that. See, God wants to relieve you. Of all your burdens. <laughs> That's why people run away from you. Don't speak to you no more. Their talk disturbs his plan. Yeah. Stripped of everything. So here this boy wants his stuff. Don't ever think you're entitled to anything from God. Now, some things you, you that are within your call, you can receive them by faith. But it's not an entitlement. It's, it's like a necessary piece of equipment. Don't get it twisted. 
Like people look at, at the anointing as, as some kind of reward or some kind of prize. You gotta look at it for what it is. It is necessary equipment for you to do the will of God. Just like a soldier gets issued guns and weapons and all that anointing's your weapon to fight the devil and to bring blessing into people's lives. It's, it's not a reward for good behavior. Cause that's only gonna last so, so long. Now you try to be good. And see how long it lasts. It's too hard. Because what you're doing, when you try on your own to be something that only God can impart to you, you're working against, you're frustrating the grace of God. And you're working against the power of God. So you're going to get tired real quick. Huh? I'm tired. I'm sick. I can't, I can't do this no more. We'll quit. Well, not, you know, God told me to do this and then, and then people, you know, all these cool people, uh, they get a new name for God, Yahweh and Abba and he telling me to do this. I don't care what you call him. That ain't God. Uh, you put a different name on it if you want to, but it don't line up with his word. So this young man was like them, them Yahweh Abba people on Facebook. Always got a different, you know. Y'all know what I'm talking about. This fake religious stuff. And got a new Greek word for everything and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Come on now. I speak English. Just give me an English word. I even do ghetto and ebonics if I have to to understand people, but. You know what I'm saying. Break it down so a sister can, can know what you're talking about. Amen. Speak it to me straight. <laughs> I felt you, Miss Donna. That's right. Speak it to me straight. <laughs> Praise God. Amen. But you can tell they ain't got nothing. Because they're trying to dress it up. Great swelling words of men's wisdom. Huh? God, I come to you in demonstration of power in the Holy Ghost. That's the best thing you can provide to people. Amen. Amen. So this young man gets something he can't handle. See, this is where God wants to spare all of us. The reason you don't have big crowds, uh, titles, and uh, you know, all of this kind of stuff we think goes along with serving God is because he doesn't want to ruin us before we get started. He wants you to grow into the anointing. He wants you to grow into the glory. He wants to give you rest when he puts it on. He wants you to be at rest when he imparts it to you. So God will hold it off until the right time so that it fits. Amen. You know, sometimes, you know, now I've, I've, Gained and lost maybe like mm, 10,000 pounds in my life. You know how it is. And, and, you know, if you put on weight and you want to, you want to lose weight so bad, you go and buy a size you know is too small because you lost two pounds. You want to go get another size and all. Don't leave me out here hanging like this. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Even if it's them clothes in the back of the closet, you ain't wore since you was 12. You try to get back in them. Ooh, I've been on low carbon keto and bolo and proxy moxie and liberation diet. 
I'm going to get back in there when I was 20 years ago. Well, it ain't fitting. That's the way the glory is. Everybody want to squeeze into it and take a little fun, take a little sin, take a little carnality and get it anyway. It won't fit. You'll so be so nervous about it leaving your life. You know what I'm saying? Don't be making book on what you can do on, at the pulpit, y'all. You know what I'm saying, or what you can do for God. Don't be banking on that. You know, let it happen as the spirit wills. You know, I know one thing. If God called me to preach, the uh, the anointing does not leave unless I do something major, 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 big. So you you keep a, a relationship with God to keep the major, 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 big stuff out of your life. But it's banking on, you know, oh, God's going to heal you and he's going to do mighty signs. And whatever. Well, that's fine if he told you to tell people that. But don't think because he used you one time, it's going to show up all the time. That's why many times we live in a comfortable, you know, most ministers, pure hearted, faithful ministers live in a level of ministry that is spiritually comfortable to them. They don't like to venture out too far. Not because they're scared of God or scared they don't qualify. They know there's a safe zone. You got your playground where you know all your toys are at. And you know you can function in that. But it's very hard to push people out of that zone because they're not sure what's going to happen to them if they get out there. If God's going to be out there and if it's going to work and if it is God, you've all been there. God will try to push you out a little bit and show you now I want to use you more here, use you more there. And you're very conservative about jumping up doing anything. God almost has to kick you out there to get you to start doing more things. See, that's a respect for his glory. That's built into a pure heart. Want to get up and pack a bag and God told me he's going to send somebody you go buy luggage. Now, if he told you to buy luggage, cool. But he ain't told you to buy all that, that Gucci stuff you've been dying to get. You don't need that to travel for God. You might just need an overnight kit with a toothbrush. Huh? And a change of underwear. Wear that same sweater shirt. Now, you know what I'm talking about. Because he wants you stripped down. He don't want you this thing to ruin you. And that's what it did to this young man. It ruined him. Many times we'll see younger ministers get invited to all these highfalutin places. Before you know it, they done backslid and all that because the glory ruined them. Too much, too soon. Want, 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 crave, crave, crave for the wrong reasons. So the most important thing in your relationship with his father is you come to yourself. You come to your senses. Just be a sensible person before God. Sensible is God. I'm your handmaiden. Let me just do what's here for me to do. You know, I don't need no accolades, flash dance, big announcements. You know, I don't even need titles except it distinguishes you from somebody who's a little different. People know what to expect. Amen. It used to be if you were a prophet, you didn't tell nobody. When we first started, you didn't tell nobody who you were. You get kicked out before you get in the door. We've been kicked out of more places. And we y'all think we just nice people came up in church and refined ladies with nails done. But seriously, we've been kicked out of more places than you can count. 
Because they sense a presence there that they know is God, but they don't have it and they hate it. Problem you have in the body of Christ is light will fight light. Just like a, a Darth Vader. That's kind of the way it is among ministers sometimes. You know, you fight me and I got light and you got light. They should never oppose one another. Should never oppose one another. The glory of God does not fight the glory of God. You want a better message? Ask God for a better message and that's all cool. But you don't fight me because of my message. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Who art thou to criticize another man's servant? Huh? (laughs) I didn't hire you. I can't fire you. I can't criticize you. Huh? I don't know what God called you to do. So the conditions for glorification never change. Man, this young man had not met the father's conditions. Number one, it's a pure heart. When this young man came back home, it says he told his father this. He says, verse 17, he came to his senses and said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. And I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Messing up in God's house will cause that feeling of unworthiness you know what i'm saying you got to get with god and get 100 percent forgiven and cleansed in your own soul see it becomes a process because the devil will always pop up and say well you can't ask god for that because what about what you did you understand what i'm saying and so you got but there is a place in god where you can get totally restored and he will show you that place but you got to abide there Amen. You got to make up your mind. You're going to abide in there and stay where God has placed you. Many times people just get out of place. They're not bad people. They don't really want to mess up or anything like that. But they get an idea that kind of gets gets in them and will try to tend to want to ruin them. It'll start running your life. I don't care if it is a prophecy God gave you. You know, it can ruin your life because you can try to make it come to pass yourself. If God's promised you something, he's got it earmarked for you on time, on schedule, nothing missing, nothing broken, all intact. He's got it for you. You can't make it come quicker. Amen. I know your faith people tell you, well, just plant a big seed. Got a big need, plant a big seed. Uh, Thank you for giving that donation. (laughs) But it's still on schedule. It's still on God's schedule. It's going to come when it's supposed to. So God wants you to have a pure heart when you return to him. That's what this young man had. He came to his senses. That means he found something deep down in him that knew he was wrong. That's what you want. I know a lot of times we want to go preach to our kids over and over and over again. Tell them this and tell them that. Throw hints there. Leave a note there. You know what I'm saying? But God's going to wake them up. You know, he's going to wake them up. You know, your best your best thing is to live in expectation of the day when they, they come back. Because that's what this father did. 
It says when he was still a long way off, the father saw him and was filled with compassion for him, ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. And he said, Father, I have sinned. That confession has to come. If you're going to get right with God, you got to be quick to repent and quick to confess. You can't be sitting out there in Alibi Alley trying to figure out a, a good story to tell God. He knows everything. You know you messed up. He know you messed up. There's nothing to explain. And there's nothing to dispute. You just, you know, everybody sins. My goodness, everybody messes up. Something, sometime. Just keep them to a minimum. Be quick to acknowledge them. So it says here, it says in the King James, oh, it says here too. I'm sorry, I got ahead of myself. So the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy. In other words, I'm dirty with sin. No longer worthy. Now, God can make you worthy again. And you can see that here. Because the father said to his servants, quick, quick, bring the best. There's more glory yet for you to receive from God. I know you messed up the last time you thought it was all over. But when you repent, God God says, quick, bring it to him quickly. Don't let him linger in condemnation. Don't let condemnation set in. Don't let this discouragement set in. Don't let you feel like you've been left out again forever. You got me? It's bad enough you being away from the father doing all kinds of wicked stuff. But when you come back, he quickly wants you restored. He quickly wants you. See, this is why we wonder, well, how can so-and-so preacher so-and-so mess up so bad and they back anointed again? Because there's no mistake in the anointing. You understand what I'm saying? That's to show judgmental people like me and you the power of the glory of God. Instead of you being mad at God for restoring people, you ought to be glad that if it ever happened to you, you can get back in again. See, that's a proof of God's love. He's just proven his word. Huh? He'll never leave you or forsake you. He will restore everything the devil stole. Huh? Oh, they just they just did that on purpose. You don't know that. And so what if they did if God forgives them? Huh? You know, we got to get our theology of something straight because we'll sit up here and condemn people. For the same thing we've done it, but see, I didn't do it, so so you might. You're doing worse now. You're trying to read your brother's mail with a beam in your eye, and God looks at that and sees his as a little speck compared to your beam. All the all the wrong he's done. Little Howard, stop messing with me. What do you put? So he put, who put that on? Go <laughs> play me some violin music. Just don't play them other people you be putting on there. Them screaming people. I'll be fine for the rest of the conference. Oh, he got some numbers back there. So God wants you to return. If you return with a pure heart, he quickly restores you. But see, your soul has to catch up with it. 
see that the boy confessed he wasn't worthy and the father put it on him anyway. When you first started working for God, you didn't feel worthy either. Because you go out and lead somebody to the Lord and were shocked that God used you. Huh? True that. And so many times we'll, we'll come to this place where we'll feel, oh, I shouldn't be doing, I shouldn't be, God shouldn't use me. I wonder why he uses me. That's the, the wonder of the glory. That's part of it. See, when it comes upon you, in in peace, that glory is your friend. He teaches you how to work with him. He teaches you how to stay engaged with him. He teaches he's your friend. And then after a season, you know, the glory will lift a little bit. And then it'll leave you wondering, what did I do to get there? And how do I get back again? You understand what I'm saying? And God will never tell you will never get a step in formula to that level of power in God. You're just going to have to depend on when you say you need it, it'll be there. If it don't show up big, bad, and beautiful like it did the last time, be content with what shows up. Because God will show you that he's in charge. This he is in charge of. Amen. He is in charge of it. They say Catherine Kuhlman would wonder before each meeting whether God would show up again and use her. And then you got to think about this. When God uses you, is he showing up because of you or because of the people? See, he says he'll leave the 90 and 9 and go find the one lost. So he's looking at lost as sick without being healed. You know, depressed and downtrodden, you know, needing him, all that kind of stuff. And he will use an imperfect earthen vessel. So that the excellency of the power can be of him and not of us. So he'll use that glory will leave you confused sometimes. You'll think, God, what happened in that? You know, I've left out of these meetings like stunned for three days. I'm saying, what did we do? And seems like we were there like five days, three weeks, whatever. You lost count of time. You don't know where you are. And, and, but you come out of it and you think, oh boy, here I'm snapping back into me again. That's the only thing that's happening here. I'm snapping back into me. But, but God, the glory is like that. It's in many ways indescribable. So you got to yield with your heart. So the father knew that the son returned not for more money. Huh? Cause when they want more money, they don't come just like they are. They come maybe with a, a overnight bag or. They don't come just, just say, hey, listen, I messed up. I want back in. They come for a visit. See, they keep visiting. They just want more money so they can stay out there and be bad. So wise up. Okay. Amen. But, but they want, God wants you to come in response to him. And so number one, your heart must be given totally over to God. That's what this young man was able to do. That's why the, the, the father returned him so quickly. He put him back into an inheritance. The glory is your inheritance. Amen. He wants to use you. I don't care how much you mess up. I don't care. You can be messing up in your head, in your mind, in your heart sometimes, and God will use you. I've been like, I've been mad at somebody, and I want to go say something, and God will stop me. And I said, let me pray for you. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like, ugh. 
Come on now. Because your heart is not to disobey God. You're not turning away from God in your heart. But you're a little messed up in your head. You know, the devil done jacked you around all morning. You think, man, come on now. Lighten up. I ain't for this. Then he'll send somebody to you that needs him. Show you how quick you snap out of it. You must be yielded to him in your will. Like Jesus. I really would love not to have to do this. But not my will but yours be done. Glory shows up then. You have to be yielded to him in timing. You have to be willing to submit to that place where time means nothing. In the glory, time means nothing. So you've got to step into that place before you sometimes you really agree with it. You know, like there are times when you you feel like your life isn't comfortable the way it used to be. And you hasten, you want to hasten the time that you can get back to normal again. I was like that for five years when I was was depressed. It took me five years in working with God in the word to get, you know, close to normal back. You know, some people would debate if I'm there now, but you know what I'm saying. Anywho, <laughs> but, uh, you know what I'm saying? You, you, I want it. I could, I could see where things I used to be able to do with no trouble. And now there were a problem for me. It was like, it was right there, but I couldn't quite grab it. You see what I'm saying? God has to do some things in us. You know, and you think, you think, well, I'm not doing anything wrong. It's not about wrong. It's about his will. His will is, was Jesus wrong? He didn't, he never committed sin. But he had to endure some things because they were the will of the Father for him. The will of the Father. So we have to be yielded to the Father in our will, in timing, in our heart, and in purpose. That's the most important thing because I believe that's what's ensnaring a lot of God's servants these days. They're in it for one purpose. God's in it for another. huh? And he's calling everybody out. Everybody's being challenged. All our great faith people. Huh? Sickness here. You know, hospitalization there where they never had to worry about. Well, that was God's plan for them then. He's got a different plan now. So if you're not ready to go into the new thing, you might have to take a little detour of some purification, some moving you, moving some stuff out. He's just rearranging furniture in our lives, folks. You can't see it as anything more than that. It's a necessary rearrangement so that the crown fits. All you kings and queens with no crowns. Huh? I'm just reading my paper. Huh? Huh? But cut that fake stuff out. You don't need that. You don't need that. Stop it. Let us strip down because you want to lose that crown one day if you want more of God. Crown what? Huh? Crown who? Crown where? I know. I took everybody's toys away out of Y'all ain't got nothing now, do you? It's like, oh, I wish, where's Apostle Chappelle when we need it? Whatever. 
But let me tell you why the sun was reinstituted so quickly. And this is important because some of us may get to a point where we've been stripped of so much. We think we're insignificant and not important. And God doesn't want you to go there. He's going to take enough from you so that you'll know he's serious about giving you more. Huh? You just have to, if you let it go, it'll be very painless. Huh? If you let it go, it'll be painless. But, you know, it's got, it's necessary. We don't think these, these are light afflictions. They're necessary. Our attitude about it is probably the biggest hindrance to us being able to get peace about it. You understand what I'm saying? But God is going to have us to do some unusual and unique things in our lives that we think, we think this is just wrong. You know, it just ain't right. But yet we'll be able to find a place of rest, peace, and contentment in him. So when he starts speaking to you about just rest in me, just trust me and all that, that, that means it's going to have to be that way. And he'll take you over to the next level. He plans to get you there and he will get you there. And you will be there on time, intact, nothing missing, nothing broken. Amen. So while you are think you're going through your worst, he's bringing you his best. When the sun, I'm sure it took the sun a while to live down the criticism of the elder brother. The criticism of all the household servants. Oh, you back? Well, I hadn't heard you came back. You, you can't tell me to do nothing. I only listen to him. You understand what I'm saying? And so when, when, when you have these situations, know that if you have in your heart submitted everything to God, just humble yourself and keep going. Because God will bring his glory in a way that you never anticipated. God will help you because the glory is going to be necessary. Even if we're going to coast and your ministry doesn't grow very much until you leave here and go home to be with the Lord. God wants to put that power on you as a power station in the earth so that others can draw from that. Others can be built up. Look at more than just who you are and who you think you're called to be. That has almost some, nothing to do with God's impartation of his power in your life. It, it, it has very little to do with who you're called to be. The glory of God rests on intercessors, rests on believers. It's not just for quote-unquote five-fold ministers. It's for all believers. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. See visions, dream dreams, live in the prophetic realm forever because of what God wants to do. So keep believing God for the more. Believe for more for your children. Believe for more for, you know, that sometimes your kids will get out in the world you didn't even think existed. But guess what? Those people they run into, when they get restored by God, there'll be burdens on their hearts to pray for the lost, to pray for people who are not church people like they are. You understand what I'm saying? You don't know what God will bring out of these things, but we have to trust him. We have to rest in him. We have to let him have his way. And in one fine day when you're sitting there thinking about nothing else but loving God, your deliverance will come. You'll be in that place where his greater anointing rests on you and it will be a blessing to everybody. 
body. You're a blessing to some now, but God wants you to be a greater blessing to greater people and greater things. Amen? Why do we stop? Father, we thank you for your word and for understanding. Thank you, Lord, that your word is true. Thank you, Lord, for your glory resting upon those who know how to not want their inheritance too soon, who want to prepare themselves adequately to carry it so that they can be those who possess as much as they can the greatness of God in everyday living. So we thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in our lives. We honor you and we love you in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. Thank you, Lord. Praise God.